0: You hear people say all the time, I'm not in competition with others. I'm in competition with myself. That's great. But I would disagree with that slightly because I don't think anyone is in competition with other people or themselves. I think people are in competition with time. And when it comes to time-based competition, you really have to go against time. Think of it like this. You may not have the time for something, but if there's a deadline for that particular thing that you're doing, oh yeah, you will make time. Right. You will prioritize your time in order for you to accomplish your goals and your aspiration within a given amount of time. So time is basically the rolling factor of you to compete against. If you can compete against time, you will always make time for something that you don't believe that you have time for.
1: Welcome or welcome back to the Freedom Slay podcast. Today, we're gonna learn from a man of excellence, Dr. Eli Joseph, all about prepping to achieve big. And we're diving into real estate investment talk as well. Eli is an educator and researcher who currently serves as a faculty member at both Columbia University and Queens College, and he's spoken on TEDx stages and has been listed as a Forbes 30 Under 30 nominee, because get this, he's only 26 years old. He's done a whole lot in a short period of time, and that's why I think he would be perfect to learn from, and he's going to teach us all of his ways in this episode. Stick through to the end, because we chat about routines, and I don't think you want to miss that bit. Okay, let's dive in and talk with dr eli joseph hey hey eli how are you or should i be saying dr eli because i'm not trying to drop your years and years of studies what He's should we fine. be calling
0: eli is fine, eli <laughs> is really fine. i always
1: uh, feel weird i'm like man but it, it's a doctor in front of your name like i feel like i should be calling you dr eli all the time no. but <laughs> so can you tell us a bit about where you grew up and how you got to where you are today
0: I grew up in, in Brooklyn, New York. I was born in here in, in New York City. My family, Haitian background, they came in from Haiti in the mid-80s. And my father passed away when I was just two years old. So mom, she's holding it down. She has three boys that she has to take care of. And she's working three to four jobs. So at first hand growing up, I knew the, the value of work ethic, And how it's been ingraining us as far as like working hard for what you need to get. And on top of that, my mom is still in the education part, being educated. And the formal education, you know, was critical. Being able to go to school, being able to have a a grasp understanding of what you want to study. And as my mom would put it, you know, making a name for yourself after graduation. So growing up, we didn't have it all, but we were not poor. We basically had this work ethic. And if you can work hard and you can achieve your goal, then, you know, the sky's the limit. So when I grew up in New York City, I attended Benjamin Banneker Academy, which is a small little school up in Clinton Hills. Um, It's right next to Brooklyn Tech. I graduated honors and, you know, I went on to college, played sports as well, because I believe that sports, especially basketball and track, got me out of trouble right? Got me out of trouble. And you know the extracurricular activities, it keeps you on the edge of competing and being able to have that competitive drive to accomplish your goals and dreams. So I went on, graduated Banneker in 2012. I graduated with my bachelor's degree from Queens College in 2015. That was a tough road, tough road, <laughs> tough road ahead as far as like, as far the amount of classes I had to take. I remember vividly taking 11 classes in one semester. Oh my goodness. About 30 credits, yeah, I, I remember that. That spring semester of 2015, is that was a semester that I had to take 30 credits in order for me to graduate early. Went on the following year, you know, I went and got my master's degree in business administration from Brooklyn College the very same year, 2016. I was just 21, trying to figure things out. And I just went on and went after my doctorate. Within three years, You know, I basically graduated with, you know, my dissertation on hand, published it and all. And I was twenty-four. Now I'm out, got my doctorate, I got everything. And I figured that, you know, getting going to school, getting the education, having a good job is it's great, but the having a good job component, that part was a little challenging for me because there was no one going to hire me as an executive at the age of 24, with little to no experience and a doctorate degree. So, you know, I had to make some moves and try to figure things out on the career side on my end. And I'm glad it worked out.
1: I'm glad it worked out as well. And your mom wanted you to make a name for yourself. And I would say that you did just that because at just 26 years of age now, you've accomplished so much. So you're a member of the Grammy Recording Academy. I want to know what that even means. Like we'll talk about that in a bit, but okay. you know, you have your DBA degree, which you just mentioned. You're a TEDx speaker. You were nominated as Forbes 30 under 30 and so much more. And like you said, in such a short period of time. So I know your mom instilled this work ethic in you, watching her work so much, especially from the age of two after your father passed. Would you say that you've always been this ambitious? And what's the mindset you think is required for someone to be able to achieve and do these things in such a short period of time?
0: Yes. So I was very ambitious from the start, but I believe that my ambition was cultivated from a series of rejection. I've been rejected so many times. People always see the the end goal and they see the accomplishments and the achievements, but they don't see the dark side rejection, being declined, um, being able to be rejected from a ton of roles and opportunities that thought that you thought was you know great for you and your career. So when I came in, I had this mindset of I'm going to shoot my shot and I'm going to miss. And I have that mentality of I will miss, but if I can get as much shots <laughs> Some will eventually fall.
1: Yeah, um, for sure. That's the Kobe Bryant strategy, right? Where it's like <laughs> throw as
0: many to the hoop as
1: possible. I'm going to shoot them myself, and some of them are bound to go in. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's you're going to fail. I mean, and coming in early on when I was rejected to even I teach at Columbia University, and I was rejected as an undergraduate student there. I applied online uh, and I was rejected. And are you I, serious? Yes. So I, you, I, were rege- you were rejected as a student. But you got the job as a professor. I love it. As far as the end of the road, when I'm shooting my shot, it's I'm going to get the ball back. I'm going to get my rebound. And I will always try to find a more efficient, a more efficient way of shooting my shot and making it eventually. But I know that if I don't shoot it, then I will never find out whether or not the opportunity is
1: I love that. That's like the Michael Jordan philosophy. Now I know I went from Kobe to Michael, but he's like, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Right. Yeah. So you got to go ahead and put it out there, but not only did you shoot those shots and I love the basketball analogies. I've been watching basketball with my dad since I was a kid. My husband plays basketball, so I get it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I love these basketball analogies because it's so true. Like not only did you just continue shooting, but you then said, okay, let me refine my shot. Let me do things that's going to help me, you know, get a higher percentage on that shot. So your field goal percentage is what it's called right so I absolutely love love the analogy and I love that you took the time to share some of that behind the scenes that people don't see because we do see the accolades especially if we're looking at in a biography no one ever shares in their bio you know these are all my fails right so I love that you took the time to share with the audience who may be listening maybe they're 35 right now listening. And they're like, geez, I'm just beginning. Like, I feel like I'm behind and you're sharing that piece. Maybe the thing they need to hear where they're like, okay, maybe I'm not shooting enough shots.
0: Yes. On top of that, here's the thing. Here's an exercise that I've done. I've done this last year. You know how people obviously within our careers, we have a resume, right? We have a resume, we have a CV, we have a cover letter, right? Our resume, when we present our resume to employers or to even other people, we mention, you know, the accomplishments and the achievements. Well, last year, I created a rejection resume. A rejection resume highlights all the failures, all the times that my application, I've applied to J.P. Morgan more than 500 times, and I've gotten rejected all five, more than 500 times. i never gotten an offer letter from J.P. Morgan. I've applied thousands of, of jobs in Wall Street. Um, I've applied in, in college institutions, and I've highlighted that in a single document, one page resume that highlights my failures. And it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable trying, you know, just to think about, you know, all the failures that you've accumulated over a period of time. But being able to be uncomfortable allows you to actually even, you know, appreciate your success and your achievements. So that's what I've done last year. And on top of that, I was able to allow my network. So, you know, network is another component that allows me to propel my career. And it's funny that um, my network leads me to Grammy recording, being a member of the recording academy um, through Grammy U, being a TEDx speaker. My network is responsible for all of these opportunities that I would not be able to have if I did not have a solid network. So the network, rejection, those are the major catalysts of my achievements.
1: I love that. So what I'm getting from here, it's been a combination of you know, your mom's and her pushing you or you seeing her work and moving forward with that. So you have that innate tenacity. On top of that, you have the education. On top of that, you're shooting your shots and not giving up. So again, tenacity comes into play with that. And you're highlighting your rejections, understanding that, you know, there are going to be failures in the process, but you know what? Every failure gets me closer to that win And finally, your network, which I think is super important. And a lot of people forget to include that because that saying, while cliche is totally true, it's not always what you know, it is who you know. And I'm sure you can resonate with that where, you know, a lot of the people in your network are what's helping you get some of these opportunities that have come your way. So with the Grammy recording really quickly, like what does that mean? Are you sitting on a board? Are you like hitting some drums, like, what do you have to do to get there? And, you know, what made you become a member?
0: The idea of me becoming a member of the Recording Academy, it started when I was doing a project, a group project, where I was trying to focus on cadences, on music cadences, that basically provides that winning strategy to become, you know, a Grammy-nominated artist, right? And it's hard for anyone that's an up-and-coming artist to basically have that winning formula, because it's, you never know. It's sometimes it's objective, sometimes subjective at times. So I did a project. I did a project and I submitted the project to a, a conference. And it was a conference that was, was heavily sponsored by NYU. Who has a, like NYU have an amazing arts, um, arts and science program, especially in music and recording. And there was a representative at NYU who reached out to me and said, "Hey, you know, I'm not sure if you're if you're interested, but the Recording Academy have you know memberships that you can apply to. There are three major memberships within the Recording Academy. You have the voting, the voting membership. You have the professional or the associate membership, and you have the student or Grammy U. And as a student at the time when I was a student in 2018, I'll do my doctorate program. I applied through the student the Grammy U um, element of." The, the Recording Academy, and ever since then, I've, I've established my brand, and I've established, you know, as far as like my membership. And now, as I graduated, I moved on to the professional side of the Recording Academy. That's how I was able to get into the Recording Academy. But there are some other um avenues that you can use, and or if you'd become a member, you have voting members where you have musicians and other artists that have produced music before, that has um, put out and published music before they can vote and, you know, they can vote in as far as, you know, other categories and and things of that nature. And you also have the flagship Grammy Awards that, you know, everyone knows about. So I'm more of a student and in my role as a member of the Recording Academy, I'm the behind the scenes kind of guy where I tend to lobby for artists and try to push the CARES Act and, you know, try to talk with, you know, other politicians to, you know, make sure that the artists and the other producers the artists and the songwriters have a voice and that's what i do on my end i also do other things as well as far as like you know hosting sound checks and trying to interact with other artists as well but that's what i do on my end and there are other members of the academy that have their own responsibilities but on my end i just do the things on the, the back end
1: Love that. You are a busy man <laughs> and you're not done yet. So, I heard that this year you want to begin investing in real estate in your real estate portfolio. So, can you tell us a bit about that piece of Eli?
0: Yes. So, growing up, my favorite board games were like chess and Monopoly.
1: Oh, I love, I, I'm a beast at Monopoly. Like, <laughs> yeah. boardwalk, I get, I legit get a serious attitude if Boardwalk and, par- and Park Place is going. I'm like, you know what? This game's useless to me. But no, I love that whole corner.
0: <laughs> so, as far as like Monopoly, we, we all know the, the game of Monopoly strategy, right? Being able to become financially solvent while trying to, you know, get other players in bankruptcy, try to get other players in trouble. And you're rolling a dice, right? You're rolling a die. In order for you to get the game going, right? So you're taking chances, you're taking chances, and you know that you're taking risk. You know risk is involved as well. And on top of that, you're trying to accumulate, and that's where investing comes into play. You're accumulating resources, you're accumulating assets in order for you to become financially solvent. Well, in a real life, I'm playing a game of monopoly where there's one player, only me. I'm trying to accumulate as much assets and as much you know, properties as, as possible in order for me to remain financially solvent, and I can avoid problems in the future. So coming in, I started, before I even started thinking about investing and buying actual real estate properties, I invested in the stock market. I invested in equities. I invested in fixed income, ETFs, exchange traded funds, mutual funds, and REITs, right? Real estate investment trusts. So coming into that, as far as you know, investing in REITs, which is companies that basically Purchase and even finance income-producing properties. I started off doing, you know, trading and try to gain as much as possible in REITs and ETFs. Then I transitioned to fundrise and diversity funds. The fundrise and diversity funds are basically they're real estate investing platforms that people can use in order for you to purchase to actually purchase your real estate and use it as a commodity. It's not your conservative form of closing down on a house, closing down on a real estate property and and purchasing or financing a property here, it's like the Robin Hood of real estate. And the minimum amount was $500 for the portfolio. Once you build that up, you are considered more so of an investor in that aspect. Now I'm more focused on purchasing property now. Physical (laughs) property, yeah. Physical property now. Going down, I plan on starting in Atlanta where I'm going to purchase a few properties there, rent them out and things of that nature. I'm on the brink of doing that right now. All I have to do now is just file my taxes for the previous year, get that ball rolling there. But I started off purchasing assets, commodities, REITs, stocks, bonds. And that way I worked my way into actually purchasing investment properties. I look forward to that endeavor in my investment career. Mm
1: -hmm. That's interesting. And was there a specific reason you chose Atlanta?
0: I feel as though Atlanta is it's an emerging market. And the reason why I didn't choose New York, obviously, because of the price. Um, oh yeah, New, York. The, <laughs> New always, York and <laughs> LA are just. You know, yeah. Yeah. We'll get to those cities. I would like to start where a city like Atlanta, emerging. It's not a small city, but it has the potential to be big, and it's always an opportunity there in, in Atlanta. And I spoke with a few realtors. I spoke with a few real estate agents, and I feel as though you know what. Well, If I were to start, I'll start in a place like Atlanta and then I'll work my way, you know, up or work my way out. But I think the starting point for me is just Atlanta. It's Mm -hmm. more more sort of an intuition for me.
1: Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And for someone starting out that's curious about real estate investing, not necessarily like, you know, stocks or anything like that, but they're interested in the real estate part. Where do you think that they should begin? Is there like a certain book you've read that got you more you know, engrossed in the whole real estate game or anyone in particular you follow or maybe social or watch their YouTube or do you even have time for any of that? Let me I, know.
0: I, I, do. I do. As far as starting out, I think someone coming into real estate, they would like to start small. I encourage people to start small because you don't want to take that. You don't want to take so much risk and over leverage yourself. Start small. I read a book. We all know. I think most of us know about rich dad, poor dad.
1: Mm-hmm. That was one of the first business books I read, Robert Kiyosaki.
0: Yes, exactly. So that book basically provided a spark because he mentioned things like active and passive income. That basically got my mind going on investing. Now, as far as real estate, if I'm investing in stocks and bonds, it's easier for me to gravitate towards ETFs and REITs um, mm-hmm. as a form of a commodity. And that way I can gravitate on you know, fundrise and diversity fund. So it's small steps, right? Baby steps, Mm -hmm. then you you know how to walk. To get to the bigger one. That makes sense. Exactly. So I wouldn't even try to, you know, start and and purchase and try to purchase a live real estate, you know, property here, but I would start by purchasing REITs and start small. If you're interested in buying property, I would do research as far as The area that you're that you're looking to invest in. The reason if the area or or the city is or the state, if the state is a landlord-friendly state or a tenant-friendly state, try to figure out, you know, what are the pros and cons. Do you want to purchase a condo, townhouse, you know, a single family home, detached? These type of questions that you're asking yourself, I would like to do like do research on that part. And then if you're ready and willing to invest your, your hard work and money into real estate, then I'll go for, um, you know, a particular property.
1: Mm-hmm. That was some good advice, yep. especially around figuring out, you know, is this a landlord friendly state or a tenant friendly state? Those are things you may consider, especially, I hope you're writing these down if you're listening, if you are like on the brink of purchasing, figuring out exactly what it is you're getting into and not just saying like, hey, I have a million dollars in my account let me buy a million dollar house like you don't want to be over leveraged you want to do your research and figure it out and for those of you who've been listening and you heard him mention ETFs and all those things and you're like, WTF is that? So with a fund, how that works is, okay, I'm looking at some cookies right in front of me, right? <laughs> so let's say we're looking at consumer goods, right? Food products. If that is something you're interested in investing in and you, know, you can go ahead and do all the research yourself and invest in these individual companies that you think are really great and they have strong balance sheets and all the things, Or you can invest in a fund of a few, there are so many funds and a lot of these major companies like your JP Morgan's, all of the banks really, um, they create their own funds that oftentimes put in what they believe for the best in these particular categories. So because of that, that eliminates some research. I still think you should be doing research in anything you're investing in, but it eliminates the doubt of it not being like a solid company for the most part. So what Eli sounds like you did then was you invested in the funds and the reads. So you had an idea that these things were already pretty solid. And from there, you could take a look into them deeper. Yeah.
0: Yeah. To even bring a point further, think of it like you're in a party, right? You're in a party. And there are some drinks and whatnot. There is something called a jungle juice, right? Where you pour <laughs> in a diet. This is why you're the teacher. This is why you, <laughs> teach, the, you teach the class. You know, it's, like, it's like you're pouring in a diversified a mixture of drinks in a particular punch. That is what an ETF is all about. So an ETF is basically a commodity or a security that have a diversified set of you know, stocks, Equity. across a particular market yeah, yeah exactly and what reach is basically focused on real estate so that's basically what an etf, ETF is exchange traded funds as well that's basically the analogy that best used for this case it's like a, a jungle juice where you have a series of jungle juice <laughs> and, then, and it limits the risk of you know obviously it limits the volatile risk but at the same time um there's risk in everything but uh, you won't necessarily lose all your money if you can diversify and exchange traded funds are more of a diversified asset.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure. And talking about diversity, that brings me to my next point because I know that career diversity is important to you and it's, well, it should be important to everyone, especially during a time like right now with the pill pandemic going on. So do you care to share like what this means for those who may not know exactly what career diversity is or why it's so important? Hey, hey, Freedom Slayer, we're gonna get right back into the episode, but I wanted to pop in really quickly to talk about your period. I know, I know. It's a topic many people don't like talking about. But if you're a regular here, you likely know by now that I recently found it best period. Best Period the T, a period brand changing the game and bringing you less pain and fewer changes. And the first product is a one of a kind dope menstrual cup with you in mind. If higher capacity and quality without the toxic chemicals sounds good to you, head on over to bestperiod.com and that's period with a T, best period, dot com. Type freedom at checkout to get 10% off your order. If there are two things bosses like you care about, it's money and time freedom. Save yourself both. You can save yourself money because it's reusable and it lasts years. And save yourself time with up to 12 hours of comfortable leak-free protection, holding up to eight times the capacity of a regular pad or tampon, which means fewer changes for you. there are so many other pluses. So, I would recommend that when you go on to bestperiod.com, that you check out the reviews if you want. And remember, when you go to bestperiod.com and type freedom at checkout, you get 10% off your order while supplies last. Okay, I'm going to hop right back into this episode.
0: So, career diversity is basically obviously everyone has a particular career that they want to get into, right? But what's important is, especially within a pandemic, people are losing their jobs. So when people lose their jobs, they tend to say, okay, what am I going to do now? Right. Career diversity basically answers that question for you before you can even ask that question. What am I going to do now? So let's say if you're interested in finance, right? You can let's say you can, you know, become an investor or you can go into banking. But if you're also interested in education, you can also teach as well. You can also, if you want to get into healthcare. You can do, you know, nursing or you can do phlebotomy. So you're basically doing what you want and especially as a particular se- sector, that way you can limit the risk of being unemployed for a long period of time. Career is basically holding on. You, as far as developing a career, you're not getting a series of jobs, you know, and there's a big difference between having two or three jobs. And having two or three different career paths that you want to get into, right? Because two or three jobs, is, you can do that, but it takes a while for you to establish and cultivate a career that has multiple tentacles in various industries. So, as far as a career diversification, you want to find out in multiple careers what are you interested in in, in various careers, and if you want to pursue those type of occupations or those type of basically of employers not even employers but more so if you want to get into let's say an entrepreneurship if you want to be an entrepreneur you can get into healthcare, or you can get into as far as beauty you can get into finance you can get into real. you can get into a variety of, of sectors but do not limit or pigeonhole yourself into one career path mm-hmm. that's it here
1: Mm-hmm. So to give you guys that are listening an example of this, let's take my business. So I have game changing industries, you know that I have the podcast, I have info products, I have a bunch of different things, my book, so many things under this sector, you know, th- there are multiple streams. However, I've moved to a whole different peace and sector with my femme care line, best period, right? So it's still entrepreneurship. It's still focusing on solving problems for people and creating real solutions that are going to change, fundamentally change the world. However, there are different ways you can do it. So it's really important to sit down and figure out what you're passionate about. And from there, how can you solve a real problem with that passion of yours and move forward when we're talking from an entrepreneurship standpoint? So that made a whole lot of sense to me just now. So you, what do you believe that one should consider when they want to begin diversifying their income streams. Let's say right now they are just starting a business and they own a barbershop, right? I know they can go from there, maybe they can create info products, from there they can move to a whole different sector and get into healthcare, right? Maybe it's about the oh goodness, you're going to have to help me with this. What's that stuff that they put that um the I don't even remember what it's called, the shares and things in. Like that septicide aside of some sort. Like it, um,
0: what is uh, it called? It's tough. It's
1: a tough. Right. It's the thing that sterilizes the equipment and things like that for those that are barbers. Right. Mm-hmm. So my point is like they can get into possibly if you're an entrepreneur and you're a barber, maybe you want to get into like I know someone, he was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, maybe a few months ago now, Ed Hennings. And he, is a, well, he got his you know cosmetology and barber, he got all that type of stuff done. And then he has a product-based business. So maybe you want to get into that side of things or you want to get into the pharmaceutical side of things to help when people have ingrown hair. It's like I'm just making this up, but there are ways that you can diversify. So what do you think when someone's starting to consider ways to diversify What are the things you think they need to begin just thinking about?
0: I was just think about what you're passionate about as well. Um, hold on. If you're thinking about like, let's say you want to get into barbershop, right? You can film yourself, put it out on YouTube, You know, have more of an establishment on the social media aspect, do brand partnerships, establishing a network. A network is basically what you should definitely consider when we talk about diversifying your income stream, because it's hard for you to get into another industry if you don't know anyone within that industry or if you don't know anything about that industry as well. If I'm teaching, right, I've been teaching since I was 24, 23, 24, 2017. And I, yeah, I was 23. And I was teaching, but I want to get into research. I need to talk to people that knows you know, research and let's say Pfizer, right? And let's say Morgan Stanley. Those are two different industries that Pfizer and Morgan Stanley operate in. That's pharmaceuticals
1: and banking, for those of you who may not understand, there are some people all over the world. So um, Pfizer, well, everyone should know that by now, because Pfizer (laughs) is the company that's pushing out the vaccine, and then Morgan Stanley is a huge banking institution.
0: Yeah, so you have to know people within those institutions that can basically provide some much more of an insight of what's going on within these respective industries. That way, you can get into that. But you need to establish that network. Right? You need to talk to people. And I'm an introvert myself. I don't like to talk. Yet Ooh, I am here. so give
1: us give us your tips for that because I know that's a huge thing with so many people where they're just terrified. They're like, I'm awkward, socially awkward. I get the importance of networking, but how do I, you know, approach that? Do I just hit somebody up on Instagram, like, hey, I want to be friends? Like, how do they no, go about doing it? You know, they may be thinking
0: you go about doing it by knowing your value. I have a value, and if I need to reach out to someone that do not know who I am, that they don't know who I am, but I know I have value and I know that my value can basically benefit that person, I will reach out to that person and I will practice reaching out to people and you know, providing your value, sharing your value so that way it can be reciprocated on the back end and you can get the value of that person that you're reaching out to. So as far as networking, this goes along the lines of establishing network one-on-one when you establish a network, you know that you have a value and your value is in one aspect or one industry, or in, let's say if it's in tech, if you need to reach out to someone, let's say you reach out, you do your research, right? You do your research and you figured this, that person may need help, you know, establishing a better uh, website. If your value is in tech, then you can provide that value to someone else saying, Hey, I can help you out with your website. And in return, you know, you can help me out with with something that I need help with. That's the best way for you to basically cultivate network that with someone that you do not know. And someone that basically do not know you as well. It's not, leading with value. Yeah, exactly. It's not about what you know and who you know as well. It's also about who knows you. So that's, what's important um, when it comes to establishing your network and establishing various income streams within various industries as well.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's actually a, really key differentiator. So that is the common um, quote, right? It's not what you know, it's who, you know, I mentioned it earlier in this episode. However, that breaks it down even further. It's not even necessarily who you know, because I know Beyonce, but does she know me, (laughs) you know? So it's, it's who knows you and what value you're bringing to the table to ensure that these people do know you. So I do love that you made that differentiator. So someone may be listening to us talking right now and like, okay, I hear you guys saying all these things, but I just don't have the time, what do you have to say to them? Because I'm sure it's one thing I know personally that grinds my gears is when someone's like, I'm too busy. I'm like, listen, we're all busy, right? <laughs> it's a priorities thing. So figuring out that, but I want to hear your take on that. What do you have to say to someone who says, I don't have the time to you know, achieve. I don't have the time to invest in real estate, even though I want to, I don't have the time to network, even though I know it's something I need to level up. What do you have to say to that person?
0: So we all have 60 seconds in a minute. We all have 60 minutes in an hour. We all have 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week. We all have that same amount of hours in a day, hours in a week. We have that same amount of time in a given day. When people say, I don't have the time, they can argue and say that I'm not in competition with others. You hear people say all the time, I'm not in competition with others. I'm in competition with myself. That's great. But I would disagree with that slightly because I don't think anyone is in competition with other people or themselves. I think people are in competition with time. And when it comes to time-based competition, you really have to go against time. Think of it like this. You may not have the time for something, but if there's a deadline for that particular thing that you're doing, oh yeah, you will make time, right? You will prioritize your time in order for you to accomplish your goals and your aspiration within a given amount of time. So time is basically the rolling factor of you to compete against. If you can compete against time, you will always make time for something that you don't believe that you have time for. When people say, I don't have the time to invest, or I don't have the time to start an, on another business, I don't have the time to start another ende- endeavor. Once you ask them, okay, so who like, do you want to compete against other people or yourself, or do you want to give, compete against time? Once you compete against time and you can establish you know, time management, Um, you can grow you know, as far as time management is also important as well when it comes to accomplishing your goals. But if you think in a mindset of competing against time, you will always have the time to prioritize what you need to prioritize. Mm -hmm.
1: I truly love that. I was actually typing it on my phone as you were (laughs) speaking. I'm like, oh, this is good. This is a tweetable. I need to like tweet it and tag you. So you said you aren't in competition with yourself. You aren't in competition with others. You're in competition with time. And if you can always compete with time, this is where I think you got it wrong. You said you always make time for the things you don't think you have time for. Was that how you said it? Anyway, it was
0: awesome. <laughs> yeah, all right. And once again, people have to learn how to compete with time because time is constantly changing. It's constantly it's ticking time mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. If you compete against time, you will always find the time to do what you need to do to accomplish your goals. I think people need to stop competing against themselves and stop competing against the person in the mirror. No, compete against time because time is not a person or an entity. Time is just time. It's literally, it's it's consistently changing. And when people have to focus on other people, they have to watch what other people are doing. They have to watch what they're doing so they can have an upper hand. They can have an advantage. When you're competing against time, you have to look at the time. You're constantly looking at the time and figure out, okay, I need to do this. I need to do this to accomplish my goals and my aspirations. So that's basically the best way to accomplish and find the time to accomplish your your dreams. You need to focus on competing and winning against time.
1: Oh man, I love the gems you just dropped just now. Like I I could already see the soundbite clip for the podcast episode like the you know how you give a little sneak peek mm-hmm. of the episode for this piece because it's something so many people find they struggle with and I always hear it. Someone says, well, you know, I have a little child or I have this, or I have that. And it's not taken away that it will not be more difficult for someone who has additional responsibilities for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. But one thing I always say is if there's someone not competing against them, but if there's someone out there that's already doing it with whatever it is that you say, that's holding you back, whether that's having a young child, whether that's no college degree, whatever you think it is, that's holding you back, right. These false misconceptions we create in our head. If you can see just one person achieving it, that lets you know that it's possible in your reality too. And if you don't understand, there's always a first, right? So we really do have to drop these excuses that we create. And oftentimes I see people saying things like, well, you know, it's creating this perception that we have to do all the things and, you know, we have to be everywhere and be everything to everyone. And that's not the case at all. What we're saying though, is that if you have something you want to achieve, then there are things that you may need a drop in order to get there. Maybe it's stopping listening to an hour of my podcast every week, right? So you can create an hour to go after time, right? And get that goal you need. So it's really things we need to pay attention to. Maybe you've liked every Instagram post someone recently put up. That means you're on Instagram too often if you aren't achieving your goals. So it may not be the child. It may not be the lack of college degree. It may not be that you don't have the network you think you need. It may be the fact that you're spending that time you do have doing things that you You don't necessarily need to be doing to achieve your goal. So it doesn't mean cutting these things out. It doesn't mean that you can't have fun and, you know, all those things. It just means that if you're finding it difficult to achieve those things that you say you want to achieve, then you need to start looking at where you're putting that time of yours and really auditing it and finding out how you're spending it. So I absolutely loved that whole you're competing against time piece. I've never heard it put that way. So I appreciate that new learning. It's in my head. (laughs) Yep. And do you have a morning or a night routine? Because I hear that is like the number one thing of successful people. And I love, love, love learning about people's morning routines and night routines, or, you know, some have some and not the other or vice versa. So some don't have any at all, but I'm curious to know how you approach this. And do you think it's important for success?
0: It's important. I think obviously having a routine is is very important. My morning routine, obviously, when you when you wake up, I don't really pay attention to my phone at first, because once I tap my phone, there's a list of notifications that pop up, and it's hard for you to wake up and address all of those notifications all at once. I normally sleep about, I can sleep four to five hours in, in a given day, so I'm good off that. If I have four or five hours of sleep, I should be good for the rest of the day. That means that I have 19 to 20 hours to work. And I work every single day. So I wake up. Don't bother looking at my phone. I stretch, do a little bit of workouts, you know, do some push-ups. And I make sure I meditate. I meditate and I take at least 10 to 15 minutes to meditate and make sure I clear my head. So that way I can start the day off with a fresh clean slate. I shower, brush my teeth, grab breakfast, and I start my day off the ball rolling. Now I start my day off typically around six 30. I've done everything else between the moment that I wake up. I, I probably wake up around four 30, four 45 AM. And I have two hours to prepare myself. Six 30 is when I start and I work until close to midnight, maybe one o'clock. And then I. And that's basically my routine. I have that <laughs> 19, 20 hours to work. And I try to establish that that um, regimen there.
1: Mm-hmm. And do you have any routine that you do prior to, like, drifting off to sleep? Do you put your phone down like an hour before or how does it work that way? Or is it just the morning piece of it for you?
0: I think the morning piece is where I'm a morning person, so I'm focused on the morning. When it comes to the nighttime, I just drop the phone. I try my phone, put my phone elsewhere, and then I just doze off. Mm-hmm. and back out. But that's basically what I do in the morning
1: Uh uh-huh see that's amazing like that's a full-blown almost like a tony robbins minus like he gets like a cold shower or something to wake his buddy up or something like that something crazy but it's dean i forget his last name graviosi or
0: yeah yeah so
1: that's one of his things as well where it's like he does not touch his phone first thing in the morning like that you know, gets into the the morning routine. But what I don't want to do is intimidate those of you who are listening, who may not have a routine at all. Getting 10 minutes to yourself may be the start of it, right? It just means getting up and getting yourself into a habit prior to taking on your day. So maybe that means taking a vitamin, you know, and meditating for five minutes instead of 10 or two minutes, like you get in what you can and you can extend it going from there but I just don't want you to be intimidated by this routine, but I want you to be inspired by it because it does show that this is something that I have yet to find, like I know that I said, you know, some people don't have routines, but I've yet to find someone who I consider super successful who does not have a morning routine. And that goes to say something. So, whether your routine's 30 minutes or three hours, it's really important to start something that gets your day going and your ball rolling so that you can have the most productive couple hours after that as you can. So, absolutely loved all of that. And was there anything else you wanted to share? As it relates to like, you know, achieving your big goals or even the real estate piece or anything else about routines.
0: I wanted to share the routine of rooting for others. Oh, I love yes. that. Rooting I can't wait to hear others. it. Yes. So when you see someone, they're not doing what you're doing, you root for them, you sh- you shout them out on social media. I'm a big proponent of shouting people out because it basically brings back that energy, the same energy that someone that you don't know. Is maybe rooting for you. And they may be rooting for you harder than someone that you do know. Some of your friends, they may know that you're doing well, but they know you. But it feels even better if someone that you do not know from another part of the world, they reach out to you and say, Hey, I'm I'm rooting for you. I'm going to share your stuff. I'm going to share your stuff on social media and without any charge, right? And it's genuine. That's what's important. And that's my routine throughout the day. If I see something that I have aspirations for and I'm admired by someone's work or something that they do, I'm shouting them out on social media. That way, when I do something, you know, that I've accomplished and I'm I'm proud of, someone can shout me out and it's reciprocated. That's my routine throughout the day. Besides the, you know, obviously hitting your goals and objectives, basically reaching out to others and sharing that love, sharing that aspiration for others and have that routine of giving back to others before they can even give back to you. The art
1: of rooting for others, the routine of rooting for others, is just so important. And we've all heard the analogy, or not even analogy, we've all heard the statement, where attention goes, energy flows. And if we put our attention onto supporting and uplifting other people, it has no choice but to come back to us. That energy flows right back. And you're not doing it with the intention of hoping that you get something back out of it, right? It's just what it is. So I love that you brought that up to end all of this. And I do have one final question I love to ask at the end of every single podcast interview. And that is, what does freedom mean to you?
0: Freedom means no restriction at all. You are free to do whatever you want. Whoever's listening to this podcast, you are free to do whatever you want. Everyone has freedom. Everyone has freedom, whether you are working a nine to five, but once you do not want to restrict yourself from working at a particular time frame. So having the freedom to be able to work at 10 PM or 10 AM, that's like no restriction, no limit. When people say the sky is the limit, there is a limit. Then The limit is the sky. You want to go beyond the limit. This past week, NASA... NASA yes, the NASA, rover landed in Mars. Exactly. That basically went beyond the sky, beyond, beyond places that we, we can never think of. No. Beyond the Earth's atmosphere, for sure, yeah. Exactly. So I would say the sky is not the limit. The limit is infinite. And that's what freedom is to me, like freedom is infinite, like infinity. that's basically what freedom is to me, and everyone has that infinite um component that the infinite element that can propel them to you know success and accomplishing their dreams and being successful successful is it's geared towards and it's cultivated by infinite limits here and that's what freedom is to me
1: that was so good. Thank you so much for hopping on the freedom Slate podcast, Dr. Eli Joseph. <laughs>
0: I appreciate you, Ms. Jones. I, I think I would like to give you your flowers right now. I appreciate what you do. I mean, what you're doing is incredible. Yeah, I see the growth. I see the growth. And Thank you so I much. It. I love it. I look forward to following you along the journey, ruining you on. And I, I really appreciate you for allowing me to come on this podcast. Thank you.
1: I hope you enjoyed this episode with Eli. I know there were so many gems. For me the time one really was amazing with the, you know, you're not competing with yourself. You're not competing with your yesterday self or anyone else. You're competing with time and I loved how he phrased that. And all the analogies even from the very beginning as it related to basketball and the punch and all the things. I'm sure you can appreciate his gift of teaching to make a lot of these more complex subjects a lot more easy to digest, right? If you enjoyed this episode Make sure to take a screenshot and tag us over on Instagram. I, of course, am at Gaynete everywhere. So that's G A Y N E T E. And Eli is at Dr. Eli Joseph. So that is D-R, doctor, right? Eli is E-L-I. Joseph is spelt like Joseph is, J-O-S-E-P-H. I'll link to his website and his other social handles and all the things below in the show notes, along with the book we mentioned in the podcast, which was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. So I'll make sure everything we talked about, you'll have the links below. And if you have any questions at all, you can always shoot either of us a message in the DMs. I'm sure he'd love to talk with you as well. We'll chat next time. Bye-bye. Okay, okay. I see you, Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag Transparent AF. I appreciate you.